listening to the Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Vakula, here to help you travel the world in next to no cost through credit card points, miles, benefits, and rewards. Make money, save money, and take advantage of great deals. Visit my website at hurdygurdytravel.com to contact me, find me on social media, and support the show with donations and use of referral links. More information at the end of the show. Thanks for joining me for episode 31, Andrew from Secured Credit Academy. Andrew joins me to chat about building credit, rebuilding credit, and the best secured credit cards. Andrew, drawing upon his own research and knowledge from the personal financial planning program completed at Texas Tech, launched the Facebook page Secured Credit Academy. Thanks once again to Andrew for joining me for this chat. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Justin, it's a pleasure to uh, be on your show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I saw your Facebook page of the Secured Credit Academy. So we'll talk about that today in addition to secured credit cards, people building credit, rebuilding credit. What brought about your Facebook page? Um, great question. So obviously, there's a lot of personal lived experience uh, behind Secured Credit Academy, um, which I can talk about more at length. But uh, the kind of the history behind the, the Facebook page itself was uh, when I got one of my first uh, secured credit cards, one of the, uh, I won't mention the particular uh, company, but they promoted the fact that they had a Facebook community. When you hear Facebook community, usually, at least in my mind, I thought Facebook group. So I went searching for the group to match the name of the card and there was a group. Well, it turned out it was not the group that was run by the company. It was actually a private, what I like to call fanboy group. I got to got in that group and talked to a few people and uh, just really enjoyed talking about credit because of my educational background and stuff like that. So again, talking next night, I knew I actually became a uh, moderator of that group, but uh, ended up leaving over creative differences. And one of the creative, um, the fact that we couldn't objectively discuss all forms of credit and credit cards. And the other things that most people are doing when they're uh, getting a secured card, particularly that one, which is you have a completely low in the toilet credit score, also having to do some repair and other things like that. So we couldn't really discuss anything outside of the, uh, the that particular card itself. And so I left and it turned out that a majority of the moderators followed me. And with that said, Secured Credit Academy was born, basically being a place where we could objectively discuss anything credit related, but with a particular focus on uh, secured credit products. Great. That could be a problem if there's a lot of groupthink and people are just getting one card focused on one issue or focused on one thing. That could be a problem because there could be so many better products out there as new offers come out, new cards come out breaking news, new changes, right? There's a lot of change in the community from day to day, week to week here. Oh, absolutely. And and, and although it may not uh, go at the speed that like unsecured credit does and your super prime banks and the points and miles game, there are definitely new cards um, coming out pretty on a fairly regular basis. It's definitely something that you got to keep your finger on the pulse, if you will. And there's a lot of smaller issuers that while no one's heard of them, they're, they're really good. So that's the other thing that you have to do is you have to really go searching for those. But yeah, there's something new going on in secured credit all the time. In fact, I just, just saw a video put out by Adam Jesko of proudmoney.com who um, did a video on, yeah, the, the Bank of America. Well, they had a, they've always had a secured card, but um, they are officially 
And, and what they would do is you would have people that would apply for the cash rewards card, but they wouldn't get it. So they would offer them a secured version of that card. Well, now they're making it a public offering. So that's kind of been the biggest news, I would say, in the last uh, probably the last month or so in the secured credit world that I'm aware of. Yeah. And in my last episode, I talked about U.S. Bank. And now that they're advertising or I just found out about it, who knows, as a self-directed investment account. So this is no hard pull, no credit check, nothing. And that establishes a relationship with U.S. Bank. And I imagine that that would lead one to have better approval chances for U.S. Bank credit cards, even the Harley Davidson Visa that we so often talk about that not many people know about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say in, in the in the realm of secure credit cards, um, I would say, well, anything with U.S. Bank is a sleeper product. I mean, let's be real honest. A lot of people don't talk about U.S. Bank at all, um, which is sad because, as you well know, the Altitude Reserve is a phenomenal card to have. Even their platinum unsecured card has one of the better cell phone protection plans out there. But when it comes to secured cards, um, yeah, they have a co-branded card through Harley-Davidson um, that's offered in both. Uh, they, they offer it in three different options. It's a Visa uh, option, a Visa sec- uh, signature option, and then a Visa secured option. Minimum $300 deposit, no annual fee, 1x back uh, through the Harley-Davidson store, basically. Um, so it can be kind of a niche card, but because it's no annual fee versus the regular flagship platinum U.S. bank secured card that offers a $29 annual fee, mm-hmm. it makes it a kind of a no-brainer. But what makes it an added benefit for me is my father actually rides. He has a ah. – um, I actually earlier this week redeemed a, a bunch of points I had earned on that card and was able to uh, buy him a uh, gift card for Father's Day, which he'll obviously use. So <laughs> Yeah, that, that's nice. And it establishes that relationship with U.S. banks. So if you want yeah. some of their cards in the future that aren't secured cards, that are the unsecured cards – uh, you, you can get your foot in the door. I, I value those relationships as very good. They're okay. Maybe there's no huge sign up bonus on the card. Maybe there's no categories. But when you're rebuilding or building credit, that could be quite a good thing to do to pivot to set up for the future. Right. And, and that's a that you make a good point. I think that um, and, and something that I probably don't talk a lot about in my group or with anyone else, but uh, from my educational background, we one of the big things that we always learned is having the whole mindset of what separates the rich and the poor sometimes is what step they do financial planning in. So there's always financial doing, but are you going to financially plan first? So um, just kind of that whole culture. And, and yeah, and, and I, even regardless of building or rebuilding, it's always important to have a strategy and, and kind of keep your finger on the pulse of, of what all's going on. And with the secured credit for listeners who don't know, we're talking about what putting a deposit down that serves as collateral for a card and eventually it might graduate to an unsecured card and you could get better products along the way. Correct. And yeah, that's a whole topic I could go deep into. I don't know how much your listeners would be interested, but, <laughs> but not every secured credit card is created equal. Um, one of the things that kind of put Secured Credit Academy on the map was, uh, I I assume you're probably familiar with the five-tier credit card system um, that's talked a lot about. And uh, the tier five is always the low-tier cards, and usually they're divided up into three subcategories, uh, your subprime cards like Credit One, 
your student cards and then your uh, secured cards. What we did was we kind of took an extra step and said, okay, we, we're going to research all of these secured cards and then we're going to create a sub-tier system to basically rate the secure cards. Um, because, yeah, there's a big difference between a card that you know, is so low that it's one of those things, as long as you have a social security number and a pulse, you know, you can get it. There's also something different than, you know, something like the U.S. bank card that we just talked about, the the Harley Davidson, where you, it has no annual fee and it does graduate eventually. And then there's different graduation schedules, different minimum deposits needed. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a lot more complex than I think some people give it merit, but right. it, it, you know, it's, it's something that not a lot of other people talk about. And I think that was another kind of thing that I saw an opportunity for. And, uh, that's kind of why we, uh, capitalized on that, uh, that niche, I guess. Right. And I've been guilty of this too in the past before I even knew about the credit card space that it would just be a commercial or there would be a mail-in offer and I would just sign up for whatever, but that strategy wasn't there. But there are so many products on the market, so much to gain, so much benefit from engaging in this. And and why is it that, that you engage in it at all? Some people might think, oh, well, I have low credit, so forget it. I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to stay away from credit cards. Credit cards are evil. Um, all, all these objections are skepticism. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and kind of my response to that is, is you have to have that mindset. And, and again, you have to plan. The, there's, there's doers and there's planners. And if you plan, you can do. But if you do without planning, it's, it's going to end up as a mess usually. And so I think that's especially true with secured credit. One of the things, and this is more just a personal, for me, what kind of got me uh, wanting to do credit was obviously my, my, my credit got trashed. But one of the things that I saw is when you when people talk about budgeting and finance and stuff, a lot of times you have you know names like Dave Ramsey and the baby steps are thrown around and mm. stuff like that. And he has a lot of good advice and I will not like, I'm not going to be one of those that knocks Dave Ramsey. I think he helps a lot of people. What I do think differently on is that credit cards and how I handle my own personal finances is I kind of look at credit cards as a modern day envelope system. And for those listeners that aren't familiar with the envelope system, that's, you know, something that has was done well before Dave Ramsey and well before credit was, you know, widespread. And you know, where you budget your money and you put money in an envelope and you mark the envelope with a category, basically. And that's how I handle my credit cards, both secured and even unsecured. They are only used once a month for a particular bill. And, you know, they get paid twice a month on payday. You know, I'll let a couple dollars report and then we wash, rinse and repeat. So, Right. And you're paying off everything. You're not paying interest. You're not paying these unnecessary fees. Everything is a good investment and a prudent step. Right. It's just I see it as just an extra step of what you're going to be doing anyways that helps you build credit, which helps you with lower interest rates on things that you're already going to buy anyways. So and then once you get into rewards and miles and cash back, you're just getting the same things that you're going to buy for cheaper anyways. So yeah, it's it's a non it's a no-brainer to me once you kind of change that mindset. Um, but it's it's for people that have, you know, have self-control and have discipline. It's not for everyone and it's okay if if it's not for you. It's something that I enjoy and I like going down the rabbit hole and figuring out new ways of how to save money and uh, and the the fun thing about secured cards is even if you 
get a secure card that doesn't have rewards or not or whatever, that doesn't mean you can't attach it to something that'll give you rewards. There's all sorts of apps out there that give you cash back. Yeah, that's a great point. Rather than just using a debit card or rather than, God forbid, using cash to pay right. for everything. <laughs> Say that. Exactly, exactly you know, because I and I think and what kind of started this for me, little personal story was I had an issue with my bank with a debit card where I had an unauthorized transaction and it was for $75. Well, that $75 came out of my banking account. They, I think they eventually reversed it or whatever, but it was something that, you know, I, I, I finally had this aha moment where I was like, you know, if I had a credit card, even a terrible one, I would more than likely be able to dispute this transaction and get it reversed. Yeah, you don't have to be responsible for it. I've, I've heard I've heard so many horror stories of, oh, I use my debit card for everything and someone charged like 800 bucks for furniture and overdrafted the account and then I didn't get the money back until three months and then I had to negotiate with them about paying the overdraft fee and all, all of this nonsense. So yeah. let's let's cut that and just use the bank's money basically for our purchases and what we're doing. Right. Absolutely. That's just kind of the way I look at it. It's an extra step, but for, for me so many times, because the way I have my system set up is I have a, like a central bank account that has bill pay, e-pay. So if I spend $20 on a card, whatever kind of card it is, and I do that in a given day, well, guess what's getting e-paid first thing the following morning. So my cards, you know, especially the cards that I use for everyday spend, like food, gas, stuff like that, they get paid immediately. Yeah. So there's some organization, a little bit of effort and keeping track of things, right? But the rewards, I think, at the end of the tunnel for people building or rebuilding will be pretty great with all of the travel points, the miles, the card benefits, so many of these things that people really want. Right. Absolutely. And I think that the the big thing that my, my better half, she's now starting to get in the uh, points and miles game a little bit. She, she kind of was real old school. We're, you know, we're from West Texas. We're, you know, very conservative values and very, you don't really flash or flex as is being used in the credit card community <laughs> a lot. We don't do a lot of that around here. We kind of talked about credit recently and we, she wasn't real big into credit monitoring and checking and stuff. She actually works at a bank. She's an officer at a bank here locally and finally opened up her uh, credit and you know she has a just sub 800 score and it's like well what are you doing with that oh like, wow not even using it yeah. right yeah you're yeah. you're here it's trying just, to get all these secured cards and go through these entry steps and she's doing nothing <laughs> yeah exactly it's a very different thing but you know again it, it's one of those things where it's just kind of funny I you know I fortunately am in a place where I, I know what all's going on and I know what I'm doing and she has the score, so now we're kind of getting to play both sides of it. And in fact, right before we started talking, I went to the mailbox. Uh, she's out of town right now, so I went and checked her mail, and her uh, first travel card came in the mail. She got a Sapphire Preferred. Nice, so. nice. Yeah, great great value in this month. And next, we're recording here in May of 2020. The, also, the 3X points on groceries. So it's a little added perk for the card. And I think a very easy one for so many people, what, the 60,000 points for the current offer for just paying an annual fee of 95 bucks, even cashing out those points are worth 600 bucks and a lot more for travel as well. Right. And she and that was something that took a while to kind of get her to wrap her head around. And finally, what it was, it was a gentleman who's in my group. And I think he has his own Facebook group that talks about points and miles and does a great job at it by the name of Doug Booker, who 
spoke to her and basically was because she couldn't wrap her head around the annual fee part, which most beginners don't. And finally, what he said is what you're doing when you get the sign up bonus is with that 60K bonus, you're paying $95 a year. And for the 60K bonus, which will give you 12 nights at, is it Hyatt? I think that's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It'll give you 12 nights at Hyatt. Well, once you put it to her, once you put it that way to someone that wants to travel, just like, you know, her bank presidents and all the people she works for, then the, then the, you know, the gear started turning and she started realizing, you know, again, seeing the light, if you will. So yeah. Yeah. Just an upfront investment or even buying points at a discount. It's uh, as a previous guest of the podcast said, well, hey, if you pay $100 now, I'll give you $600 a month from now. So, <laughs> yeah, right. some people are averse to paying those annual fees. Maybe they're not aware of the value of the points. They, they're just inexperienced with the whole thing. But we can see about what the value is using the points. What a great price to pay for all those nights. If you can get those 5,000 point stays, I've stayed at many Hyatt places and Hyatt houses that have that really good rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's there's a lot of value there, so we're we're looking forward to doing that. And that that card put her at three twenty four. She had a Freedom Unlimited before that, which she used as a balance transfer option. She's still paying down and had like some store card before that. But yeah, yeah I, I think she's going to probably do the whole ninety one three and wash rinse repeat for for cards for a while to you know build stuff up. Her, her our goal trip is. Uh, Disney World. She wants to go real bad. That's always been her lifelong dream. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, and for listeners, five twenty four. That's the Chase rule that if you have five or more cards appearing on your personal credit report, you won't be able to get any more Chase cards. So I often recommend getting in with Chase early and using those five twenty four slots well, rather than just getting any old card that doesn't have an increased offer that will be available months from now. Right. And going back to something that you mentioned, and I think that's a kind of a good segue for it. Talking about 524, whenever I'm talking with someone who's new in, in my group and stuff like that, and we're asking about what their goals are and, and kind of what their strategy is, that's always one of my first questions is, what's your stance on 524? And usually their answer is, we have no clue what you're talking about. And then I ask them, to, you know, well, Google 524, please do a, you know, read through, watch a couple of YouTube videos about it come back and tell me what you think. And I let them make that decision for themselves. You know, I kind of look at my take is, you know, not being the one trying to tell you what to do, but just trying to give you as much information as possible without overloading you to make the decision that's right for you. But I always want to make sure that they know or have an idea or concept of what 524 is. And, uh, you know, for some people it doesn't make sense or they don't want to do that or that's not what their deal is. And that's that's respectful because obviously they're rebuilding. Um, And then for some people, they're like, yeah, if I can get a Discover Secure or something like that and then hold on that to that for a year and then be good for 524, then I'll do it. So, you know, but that is that's one of the many questions that we typically ask folks in the beginning is, have you heard of 524? What's your stance on it? Is that something that you want to respect? And uh, the other thing, kind of going back to Discover, is that's one of the differences for me, I guess. A lot of people will see Discover as a good first card option, and I typically like to use it for the purpose of a garden option. Um, I think it's a good card to apply for, and with the uh, cashback match and stuff like that, it's something where you feel 
to me at least, I feel like I'm doing something. I'm, I'm working on that cashback match, and I'm doing that for a year, and I'm not doing much else. Maybe I'll get, maybe I'll get a U.S. bank or something like halfway through the year. If you are able to do that for a year, then it kind of cools off your your 524 and uh, and uh, brings you down. Yeah, and f- for listeners, gardening is uh, typically referred to as not getting other cards, just waiting for other cards while you're waiting for time to pass, waiting for inquiries to fade. So yeah, just, just building out. I see some people, they just want to shotgun. They just want to get like 10 cards in their first year of rebuilding, but then they're locked out of 524 and some of the cards they're getting aren't really giving many benefits. They're maybe getting really small sign-up bonuses or really small category bonus, but then they're giving themselves a difficult time going forward, and they could run into a lot of declines as well due to all of the inquiries. Right, and that's and that's something that even I myself am guilty of. Uh, I, with this last rebuild, I I built out pretty quickly. Um, in fact, I have. 15, my oldest account, my oldest revolving account in my rebuild just turned a year. I have, I think, 15 open accounts in addition to that, revolving accounts. And I wouldn't recommend doing that. Um, a part of the reason I did that was because of the, you know, the, the place I'm in. But at the same time, I think what's important to, to point out is the fact that I'm not looking at buying a whole bunch of new purchases. I'm not preparing for a mortgage or anything like that. Um, I was rebuilding for the sake of rebuilding and, and learning and kind of having the hands-on experience, which is not the typical, but at the same time, when you have a paid off home mortgage and, you know, that sort of thing, you don't have to really worry as much about credit. Right. <laughs> yeah. So some people, they, they just don't even want to get into the hobby. They're saying, oh, it's going to ruin my credit score if I'm going to get all these cards. But I found that not to be the case. My score is higher than ever. I'm in the high 700s. And like, what are you going to do with that 800 score anyway? Like, is 800 going to make much of a difference versus 775, 750, 735? Like, not so much. So there's some hesitancy. I think some mistaken ideas people have about credit that leads them not to get involved in this game. Right. Yeah, it really depends on who you ask and what bureau and what type of loan it is. But I mean, depending on the loan type and who you're banking institution is or whatever. Yeah, some some places, once you're at a 720, there's not much of any difference going beyond that. And usually, once you're in the 760, 780 realm, there's really, I mean, everything beyond that is definitely flex. So yeah. it was kind of funny when my better half, uh, when she applied for the CSP, she initially got turned down and we had to recon it. Um, yeah, reconsideration which, line for listeners. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, and it was, it was interesting but uh, but it was funny because she got real upset because her score went down to a you know seven points, and I was like, "Wow, your score is at a seven eighty two. That is going to destroy you when you go buy a car." Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh! You know? <laughs> yeah, so, not, not much of a di- not much of a difference there. Yeah, and it go it goes up in time anyway, and even shortly as what they're extending us more credit. We're seeing that we're making payments on time, so it really it really goes up in time anyway. Oh yeah, it quickly goes up, and it was funny because what happened was uh, just to kind of give a real good illustration of this. She got the I was telling you earlier she got the Chase Freedom Unlimited card about eight months ago, I think, and it has a zero percent intro APR. And the thought was, okay, we're going to use it as a balance transfer card put everything on that card and, and go. 
with it. She had one card like it was an old I think it's a shop your way card through city. Oh, it's yeah. like <laughs> a card, you know, and it kind of, you know, got upgraded all the way. And so she paid it off in full. And I think she had one or two other store cards that had some balances on it, put it all on that card. And what was funny is at first at what, like at one point in time, she had like all of the accounts reporting, although she had, you know, transferred it all onto the freedom unlimited. It had it all updated yet. So her score went down to a 680 or something like that. She got (laughs) with me and I said, well, it hasn't all updated yet. Just give it a couple more weeks. It updated. It went to like a 763. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. The utilization spikes there. How much you're using out of your total available credit, right? Right. Exactly. And, And she doesn't have a whole lot, but it was what was but was really funny was she then that shop your way card was only like a maybe a $3,000 balance. So when she paid it off, she didn't even ask for it. They doubled the balance or the credit line. Yeah, they just give it over time, many assurers, right? Right. So uh, so it, that helped the utilization that much more. And so, yeah. Um, but that was, say all that to say this, when we reconned, they were, you know, she was asking, well, why did y'all turn me down? And one of the things they said was, well, you have high utilization. She goes, yeah, but it's on your card with... <laughs> with it's with like, and it's like paid down to just under 30%, which is 11% of my whole utilization right now at 0% for another seven months. So why would I want to pay it down extremely fast in that regard if I don't have any future upcoming purchases? So, so yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting. Yeah. It helps to pay off in full before applying that, that improves the approval chances, but it's good that she got through there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so she obviously her, her score was much higher than it was, but I figured I kind of had already planned that they were going to do that to her just because of COVID and all of them, you know, tightening up and stuff. So we were we were prepared for the recon. Well, that's good. It went through. And another starter card you've mentioned that I hadn't known about before I've seen before I visited your Facebook page, State Department Federal Credit Union. SDFCU. Yes, that is perhaps my favorite Secured cards. So going back to the uh, uh, sub tiers of cre- uh, secured cards, that is definitely the tier one, if not tier zero. Because the great thing about this card, I, I don't know where to begin first with weighing the pros or the cons. I mean, it's not a perfect card. No card is perfect. But the thing that I really like about this card is the card itself is no hard pull, uh, no annual fee. The APR since COVID started has now dropped to just under 12%. The minimum deposit's $250, and it gives you a 1x back on all purchases. The downside to the card is the point values for flex points, as I believe was what it's called through them, is like maybe 0.6 to 0.75, maybe 0.8 cent per point. So not a lot of value in the points, but... At the same time, you're not getting a pull for a secured card that eventually will graduate. The downside to it as well, in addition to the point values, is you do typically garner a hard inquiry to join State Department Federal Credit Union. They're a little institution and they, they're really good. The way people join is there is a organization called American Consumer Council. You can join that for $15 for a lifetime membership, and that actually grants you membership with State Department Federal Credit Union. 
You don't have to be a member of uh, the State Department or DOD or anything like that. That's kind of their loophole membership. And that also applies to Signature Credit Union, and it's either Andrews or Langley as well. So there's a handful of other credit unions that kind of use that as their loophole membership. Right. So so many are, oh, you have to live, worship, or work in a certain community or county or state. But for people out of the area, they'll have to pay the membership fee to get in, right? Right, exactly. And and as we're moving into more of a virtual world, digital world and stuff like that, where brick and mortar establishments and, and physical footprints are a little bit less of a, you know, need as they once were, you know, a lot of uh, the credit unions and stuff like that are starting to create those legitimate loopholes uh, for people to join um, their, their, their place. And the, the, the other little downside about State Department is I've, I've gotten a lot of data points that they're, they seem to have tightened up their membership restrictions, but the people that can get in, um, I think it's worth it. Um, I actually got my, uh, I got a car loan. It was kind of unexpected, but I got a car loan through them uh, back in February. For the score I had at that point in time, I got a phenomenal rate and uh, couldn't, couldn't have been happier. And uh, it was a great process. And uh, I've been very, very pleased with State Department. If, if people can get in the door with them, I definitely recommend it, especially especially for rebuilders. Nice. So we're seeing SDFCU, the U.S. Bank, Harley-Davidson Visa, and Discover It. Are those your top three for the starter cards? Absolutely not. Um, dun, dun, like dun. I said, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not a huge, like I said, I'm not a fan of Discover. Now, maybe for builders. For builders, I would see, I, I kind of see the Discover Secured card, but I'm more of a fan of, I actually, for rebuilders, I really like the City Secured card. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it's it's not a really attractive card. I got, that was one of my first secured cards. I will, that will probably be my anchor account, my AOOA, as they say in the FICO world. Yeah. Well, you have your AAOA, which is your average age of accounts. And then uh, FICO also measures your AOOA, which is your age of oldest account. Ah. So, <laughs> all the well, acronyms. Right. All the acronyms. So, thing I like about the, the city secured, as you well know, the city double cash, which is a good anchor account for a lot of people. It's typically a first card for some. City secured card graduates um, to a city diamond preferred and then can be product changed to a city double cash. Oh, nice. So, you wouldn't even have so to uh, waste the hard inquiry on the double cash later on, and you could just uh, right. you could just change it. Yeah, you just get it as a secured card now, and that's the thing that I, I really kind of educate people on is you know product changing cards. So if I can get a card or an account now with a low score that I can make into a double cash later, is that double cash isn't going to have a sign-up bonus most time. Makes sense to go that route. So that's why I like the city card. Going back to Discover, I, I don't like it for rebuilders for a number of reasons, but the main reason is I look at cards. When it comes to secure cards, the other way I look at them is I look at the bigger picture and I look at them in their respective ecosystems. So with Discover, for instance, you only have two Discover slots. Well, for rebuilders, they're going to need those two slots for garden, and they can work on you know the cashback matches while they're gardening. Um, for Navy Federal Credit Union, which is also a big rebuilder uh, financial institution for a lot of people that can get in the door, they have the In Rewards card. Um, it's a great card standalone, but then when you look at the ecosystem, they have a three-slot rule. Well, I don't think it's worth losing a slot for a card that I can get a sign-up bonus on 
in order to get the in rewards card when I have State Department and HD Visa and City that can give me more value in the long run. Right. That, that's that's a good point. And the city card can build a relationship as well to try to get the premier card later in the game or other products that they might offer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what I've been seeing anyway, that with the banks tightening, maybe because of the pandemic, maybe because of other factors, maybe a combination, that they're looking at having that existing relationship. So, okay, well, you won't get a big sign-up bonus or any sign-up bonus maybe with that Harley-Davidson visa, but later on your approval chances for the Altitude Connect card, for example, it's going to be releasing in a few weeks, we hope, uh, might go up and then maybe the Altitude Reserve later on, who knows. So lots of options out there and some strategy is really important because if you make mistakes in this game, signing up for cards that aren't so great, that's going to delay progress a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think one of the things when, when discussing rebuilders, one of the, and it's funny because of the name Secured Credit Academy, one of the things that I tell people is when you're rebuilding credit, it's kind of like being in school where you have to take remedial courses. And so, you know, when you're having to get a secured card, when you're having to get a secured loan, um, when you're having to get, you know, some of these other products that you ideally wouldn't want to get, it may kind of, from a builder standpoint, I understand why some folks don't get it, but that's kind of the way I look at it is you have to kind of put the training wheels back on for a while and ride. Yeah, it's patience. And, and although, you know, I think strategy is important, I, I look at it through the average Joe's eyes. And, you know, I think what's more important than strategy is just pure discipline. Yeah. Um, especially with credit cards. Yeah, and in many areas of life. I mean, people, they want those big returns and they want that immediate thing, but it's just often not going to come. You need to put in the work. You need to be patient. You need to do the research. You need to study. So that's where people like me and you can come in is that we've already done a lot of this research. We can give these recommendations because we're quite studied in these spaces. Right, absolutely. And what about some cards to avoid or some issuers to avoid? I often hear people lamenting Credit One saying that their products are pretty bad. Well, just in case Credit One or some of them are listening, I won't mention any names, but <laughs> what I will say is I actually wrote an article on this. Um, the I forget the name of the article. I'll, I'll put it in my Facebook group just to uh, after shortly after this, just in case it's not in there already. But the, the name of the article is seven, seven Characteristics of Cards You Want to Avoid. And I won't go into every single, like, I won't name cards specifically because Really, I mean, I can tell you don't, and maybe it's because I'm one of those people, you can say, don't do this with this. And I'm going to say, why not? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so like, uh, don't, don't push the yeah, button. I'm, oh, what does the button do? <laughs> yeah, what does the button do? Yeah, exactly. I'm that person. So, so what I typically do is I don't say, I don't give out names. I give symptoms, if you will. The seven symptoms that I try to avoid are cards that have no grace period. So, to educate your listeners, a grace period is that point between a statement close date and the due date where as long as you pay off the card in full by that due date between the close date, that's the grace period. As long as you paid off in full by then, you will not accrue any interest on the card. However, some of the, for, for lack of a better word, some of the subprime cards, I don't like that term, but that's for lack of a better one. Um, some of them don't have grace periods. As soon as the, the transaction posts, you are being charged interest on the card. 
Next is uh, cards with application fees. And I'll give an example of this. So I, I know a card. In fact, I'm guilty of signing up for not just one, but two of these cards because I didn't know any better. Basically, what they'll do is they'll say, hey, you can get a credit card. It's unsecured. Um, and of course, you feel great because you're getting turned down for secured cards. So, wow, I'm going to get an unsecured card. Uh, the application fees can be up to $95. This is to take your application. Then there's a $75 annual fee on top of that. So you're now $170 in in non-refundable fees for a whopping $300 credit line. So you want. So what I always tell people is even getting like the lowest of the low like secured cards that maybe have like a $35 annual fee, but a deposit of $200. Remember the deposits are always refundable. So I'd much rather just pay an extra $30 or six, well, 75, let's call it 60, 65, $70 on a card like that, that I'm going to get $200 of that money back when I'm ready to close it, then throwing away a couple hundred on fees that you know, I'm not going to get back and I'm not going to get any value for. And usually the interest rates are sky high as well, although we don't pay interest, but still you, in case you do, you want to make sure you're not paying a lot, you know, kind of thing. The next one is uh, uh, annual fees that provide no value. So I already covered that. You have a lot of cards that will charge you anywhere from 39 to 75 or plus dollars a year and you're not getting any rewards in exchange. So you want to avoid cards like that. Or there's even one card in particular that you may or may not have mentioned earlier that likes to entice people by saying you do get a percent back, but it's only on a very few select categories and it's at 1%. Well, in order to recoup that $75, you have to spend $7,500 a year to recoup the 75. So there's positive expected value there to do that. Right. right. Um, I think most people really get lured in by categories and in, in very much, they see like, Oh, look, I get 5% back on gas with the ducks unlimited card or, Oh, this card gives me three X at drugstores or whatever. But if they're not spending much in those categories, the return really isn't going to be so great. And in the meantime, they give up big signup bonuses and other cards or maybe two X categories everywhere where they would have gained much on that. But my thought is that for most people, especially low spenders, the category return is never going to move the needle. It's just not going to be a significant amount. But if you're spending a lot of money in a particular category or you're reselling or doing something with a large amount of spend, then it could make a difference. But for most people, it's just not going to. Right. And I think that's where, you know, you have to, 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 to educate. And that's why I'm glad you're in, in the space and have your, your program because you've, you've taught me a lot. And I'm sure you've taught a lot of other people that, you know, you always hear the saying that you make money when you buy something, not when you sell it, especially like real estate, you know, your, your profits in the buy, how, how low you buy it for. And that's kind of the way I look at credit cards. Your, the real rewards and return on the card is going to be in the sign up bonus, not in the category. So the categories are great. I mean, any, any way to pay cheaper or, or get value is great. But in comparison to what you're getting um, with a sign-up bonus, there's, there's really no comparison to be made. Usually. Yeah. And over time, I've just accumulated a lot of categories without even really trying because the cards with the big sign-up bonuses also had categories, particularly like the Amex Gold card, the Chase Inc. Cash card. So if you can get the, boast of, the best of both worlds with the categories and the sign-up bonus, that's awesome. But... That's not, a, not always the case. 
The other four are no points or rewards. That's actually, that was the next one. Um, number five is other fees that do not make sense. A lot of these low tier cards, when you look at the fine print, have like monthly fees. Like you'll, you won't pay any, you'll pay like a annual fee the first year and then you end up paying monthly fees on top of that after year two. So you want to avoid that low credit limits. Um, and then the last point is cards and banks that you just simply have never heard of. So when I wrote that last point, I wasn't thinking a whole lot about credit unions because there's countless credit unions that offer really good cards and can offer sign up bonuses or are just cards that are good for people that may be stuck in the you know 600s for a while due to having to let some stuff that they couldn't repair that's just going to have to fall off. But you know, credit unions are a great option anyways. And then a bonus thing kind of on the opposite end of this. Um, one of the things that I look at in a card is uh, the card has to have a mobile app. So most of these smaller cards, like if you go try to download an app for it or look to see if there's an app, you're not going to find one. So uh, that's the other thing I always keep in mind for stuff like that. Yeah, it makes it inconvenient in many ways. It's nice to use the app to see about the recent transactions, to see about offers. And yeah, that's not always the case. The strange is, yes, you were saying the world moves more digital and for banks just not to have any apps. I've seen it with some credit unions, but <laughs> having to right. use my browser for certain things, my desktop, right? Yeah, and, and right. That's, a, that's a good point. A question about, have you heard of this bank? Does this have a, a footprint? And it's not merely a popularity thing, but I imagine so many cards can be dead-end cards. Like if you were to get the Apple card, like Goldman Sachs, like is there any kind of relationship there? Is that going to do anything for you? Is that going to help you get other cards or get anything from that bank? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, I see. And, and kind of that's a great point. I, I've tried to reconcile in my mind other than the cool or flex factor, what, what benefit does Apple have other than the rewards? And the only real, I think the only time that card makes sense is if you can make that maybe your very first card, because it does like, if you're like real young and if that can be your very first card, I can see that being a good card. Cause it does have some really cool, like financial education tools on it and, you know, it shows you what happens if you carry a balance and or how quickly you can pay off a balance if you, you know, it has those cool little features. But other than that, I, I don't see a lot of value there because at the end of the day, it's a one flat, it's flat 1% back for the physical card, which is cool looking, but, you know, there's a lot of cool other, yeah. other cool cards on the market yeah. that give you, you and, and the Two, if you use Apple, you get 2% back. Well, there's also the double cash. State Department Federal Credit Union has a 2% back card that has a nice sign-up bonus. I think it's like $300 for 3K spend. I mean, you know, Apple card isn't going to give you that. Zero, um, zero on it, yeah. It used to be that it was 1.5% back, but nowadays, I mean, there's so many two, 2X back, mm -hmm. flat 2X back cards out there, and even some that are 2.5x and 3x flat I, I i don't see a lot of uh other than the cool factor there's not a lot there with with the apple card yeah i'm more than happy to sign up for like the split p cardboard card and uh that just looks like a disaster if it's going to give me good bonuses if it's going to give me good rewards i i really don't care personally yeah yeah i could care less either i really don't care what a card looks like i just care about but it's it's kind of one of those things it's i think if you have an appreciation for it and if you know what you're doing i mean I'm the same kind of, you know, you have people that, in fact, I have some neighbors, a little, I guess, on the next block, and 
you know, they're a bunch of grease monkey gearheads kind. And, you know, uh, they're, they all have drive Chevy trucks that they're short wide beds. And I'm, you know, they don't, they aren't great to look at, but I actually was walking my dog one day and looked and, uh, you know, looked under the hood of one and it's like, wow, that's a pretty impressive motor there, you know? And that's kind of the way I look at credit cards is, you know, an Apple card because it's metal, it's not going to do a whole lot for me. I'm more worried about what's the reward structure. What's the sign up bonus. Those are the things that you want to, you want to look at. Right. Yeah. And with many other options for people rebuilding or building, I think they can do a lot better than the Apple card. One of the things that I I like, and I know we've talked about, and I've heard you talk about it, critique it a little bit. And I think it's deserving of the critique. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that. But uh, one of the things I'm working on in my own life, kind of being going back to the whole stuck in the 600s, I think I may be that way for a little while due to a couple of things that are, you know, hanging on on my report that I just have tried and tried to get off and I've just realized I'm going to have to wait it out. But um, banks that I've been working with and, and uh, trying to really build up with is uh, Navy Federal. And I think they have a great rebuilder trifecta. Of course, the trifecta word is used a lot. And I know you're not as, you know, a uh, fan of the word or whatever. Right, right. And, you know, I, I think it leads or, to a lot of confusion. You know, people are right, usually talking about different things. Yeah, Right, exactly. But I, I you know, it kind of is a, is a uh, catchphrase or whatever in the credit card communities, but they have, they do have a good little, you know, I think for people that are wanting to kind of have training wills or if you will, for, for chasing signup bonuses and maybe they're over 524 already, or they're not as concerned with 524. Um, they have a great little deal that I call it the rewards trifecta through Navy federal, but you have the, uh, you start with the cash rewards card, 1.5 X back card, um, and then you move on to the more rewards card, which is similar for those that uh, aren't familiar with that card, but are familiar with the uh, Propel card. They're very similar in how they're structured. Yeah, the, the Wells. Yeah, the Wells Fargo Propel card, right? Yeah, they're they're very they're almost they're very similar. A lot of three X back categories, no annual fee, both Amex cards or network cards, and then you wrap it up with the flagship, and uh, and then the very last step is you product change that cash rewards card to the go MasterCard through them. And once you have that trifecta, then everything that you send through those cards gives you a minimum two X back. And a lot of categories are giving you three X back and you're only paying a $49 annual fee. I think the bonuses as they're structured right now, well, the flagship went away. It was a five fifty K signup bonus, so $500 cash value. But if you were to include it plus the other two bonuses, you're looking at $900 cash value sign-up bonuses. And then the way I like to structure that card just to kind of give a spend analysis is if you were to spend 40 k through those cards in a given year with the, uh, uh, the, the right way, getting the minimum 2x back and then getting 3x back. Math, I'd have to double check. I want to say 40 k times 2.5% is like... It's well over a thousand dollars after the. I want to say it's somewhere between nine fifty and twelve hundred dollars uh, for forty k spends. So for a rebuilder, I mean, that's over five twenty four can't get into some other stuff because of some baddies on their their uh, profile. That's not a 
bad setup. Yeah, if they can't if they can't get the other cards for sure. And even it's possible what to downgrade the flagship card to avoid the annual fee for year two, or maybe they give you a retention offer and waive the annual fee or give you some kind of incentive for keeping the card as the value isn't quite there for year two for some. Yeah, for some it's not. I for me I it is because it's a it is flat two X back. I don't do a whole lot of traveling yet with the card. But the, the thing I like about that card is you can pay the annual fee with the points. Of course, $49 is not much at all. But the, the, the thing that makes that card worthwhile is it does have the TSA pre-check global entry credit on it for $100. So that in of itself makes it, you know, a, you know that, that nets, that's a negative 51 annual fee right there just with that credit if you use it. So it's not too hard to... to uh, break even on that card all right very good so lots of options for people as we're coming up on time here how can people find you online and how can people find your group on facebook i pretty much do everything through my uh facebook group it's a private group uh secured credit academy um i do have a youtube channel as well uh i have not produced any content yet i was planning to i even have transcripts um that i have ready to go uh, for a couple of episodes already, uh, just working in the healthcare industry. This uh, we we've been a little busy recently. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we're, um, again, we're recording uh, here in May 2020. My little workspace to do Secured Credit Academy stuff and do videos turned into my work at home office. Um, so I'm hoping within the next month I'll be able to get a video or two out. But uh, but yeah, that's pretty much uh, where folks get me. I'm pretty pretty much a Unitarian when it comes to that stuff. I don't do a lot of the other social media. Uh, I am in a few other groups as well, but uh, mainly, obviously, try to stay within my own feel about that kind of stuff. All right, very good. (laughs) Andrew David Gibson from the Secured Credit Academy. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more content. Visit my website at hurdygurdytravel.com, where you can contact me. Read episode transcripts, complete a free credit card questionnaire to receive tailored recommendations, follow me on social media, and listen to past episodes. Support my work through Patreon, PayPal, the Cash App, and referral links by visiting the Donate tab on my website. Subscribe on YouTube at Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast. Like my Hurdy Gurdy Travel Podcast Facebook page, follow HG Travel Podcast on Twitter, and follow Justin Vakula on Instagram. I'll be live streaming from YouTube with business coach Cakeology on Tuesdays and Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern as shelter-in-place time continues. We'll talk about all things money, business, and credit while answering questions from a live audience. Find announcements for upcoming streams and archives of past live streams on my website at hurdygurdytravel.com. Schedule a free 15-minute consultation with full-time business coach and YouTuber Cakeology who can help you formally establish your business, build business credit, and get premium business credit cards. When you select from various paid services after the free consultation, I will receive credit for referring you. Listen to Cakeology on episode 12 of my podcast. Visit my other podcast at stoicsolutionspodcasts.com, S-T-O-I-C, stoicsolutionspodcast.com, where you can find practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient philosophers of Greece and Rome. Thanks to generous patrons and fans of this podcast who help support my work. Have a great day. 